Hello, welcome to More Than Just a Vet, a podcast where I explore the lives of veterinary professionals when they are not at work. I want to know what's behind of the surgical mask of the man or the woman who try to help our animals. What are their struggles? What are their passions? Why did they choose the veterinary profession path? Is it as glamorous and fantastic as we've seen in some TV programs? Or is there more to it? My name is Francisco Gomez. Welcome to my show. Hello, Laura. Um, Laura um, is a, a vet as well. She she works in Derbyshire, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I work in Derby, yeah. Yes. And then she has uh, a lot to, to tell us. Um, but first, uh, tell us about uh, where do you live in Derbyshire and how do you end up there? Are you from Derbyshire? Um, no, I'm, I'm not actually from Derbyshire. I've kind of um, ended up here from a roundabout route. So I grew up in Reading. Um, I studied in Edinburgh. Um, I then I went back to Reading for a bit. I spent some time practicing in Dover. Um, and then initially I moved up here nearer to Nottingham and then I've kind of edged my way across to Derby. So I've been in Derby, oh my goodness. Um, goodness, it's about 10 years now. So yeah. Um, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. And I've been you you've always done like small animals. That's always what you've done, right? Um, no, my second job was actually, it was more of a mixed job and it was a very mixed job. So we saw everything. We did like bits of zoo work, bits of work on the docks at Dover. Um, I think I once saw a horse. <laughs> um, okay. But now nowadays, I'm, yeah, I'm a completely small animal nowadays. Okay. And then... Um, why did you become a vet? Is it something that you always wanted to do? Or? Yeah, so mine's, it's it's the typical story of, yeah, since I was about eight years old, it was always, I want to be a vet when I grow up. And yeah, um, I spent quite a lot of time on, um, my grandmother had a farm and my aunt had a farm, so I spent a lot of time kind of outside there. Um, Other people in out. your family have been vets or...? No, no, I'm the first I'm aware of. So yeah, I've got a bit of farming background in the family. Um, but yeah, I'm the first, first vet, as it were. But first vet, but doing small animals, but it was yeah. a farm, right? Yeah, so, I mean... yeah. <laughs> I think it was just, yeah, working with animals was something I was always really, really keen on. Um, and yeah, well, for whatever reason, veterinary. What's the thing that you love more of being a vet? What's the thing that keeps you going? You say, well, this is the thing that I absolutely love of being a vet. Um, I obviously, I do love working with, with animals and a range of animals as well. So I've kind of dabbled in a bit of exotics too. So I, you know, not just cats and dogs, I like to see the different species, but, um, what I actually found really interesting is, is like the human animal bond. So I think it's something we overlook sometimes as vets is that, um, working with clients as well can be really rewarding and sometimes it's not <laughs> sometimes clients can be tricky but when you but sometimes even when you get a really tricky client on side and they trust you they understand you they follow your advice i think i think that can be one of the most rewarding bits of the the job because then you do the right thing for the client you do the right thing for the pet and everybody's happy i, I think that that's something that maybe we haven't been taught in university well i i wasn't i, I was taught about you know looking after animals but i was never taught looking after clients which is part of the job 
yeah, well, it's a massive bit. It's, it's the, you know, it's what you spend a lot of your, your time doing. And if, I think it's interesting in lockdown that, um, yeah, okay, we've, we've been consulting outside or on the telephone, but the actual consult with the pet, um, when you actually spend the time with the pet doing your examination, it's, 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 really, it's a lot quicker than when the client's there. And I think it, yeah. it almost highlights how long you spend having that interaction with the client as opposed to, to the pet. And yeah, I've, I know there's a lot more done at vet schools nowadays for communication and skills like that but yes. yeah I think I think it's it's such an important part of the job it's it's very easy to overlook it and was the the thing that you like less of being a vet um I think sometimes yeah it's you know is the the stress and a lot of that can come from you know clients that that are maybe harder to work with or it's hardest to make them understand um and of course busy days as well it's it's easy to have a, a frantic day if um things don't go to plan so you're a lead vet right mm. you're a, like a director right so i'm guessing you got like pressures as well about you know making sure the whole team works together and maybe you have something to do with interviewing people i'm guessing it's like having two jobs sometimes isn't it yeah definitely so yeah i've worked as a clinic director in a more corporate practice now yeah i'm a lead vet and an independent but it's a, it's a very similar role so you know i have a extra responsibilities for you know rotors training staff as you say um sometimes interviewing um and yeah just making sure things things run smoothly um and yeah it's it is an extra pressure too so there's a balance there and i think one of the biggest pressures there's then you you've not only got to look after the pets and the clients you also have to look after your team too and um it's yes. an extra level of responsibility because without you know the, the teamwork and without everybody getting on working well in a practice you, you're not going to achieve anything I, I share the, the job of a, as, a, as a director as well. Did you share yours or did you um, do it by yourself? No, so I um I'm, the job I'm in at the moment is um it's it's run by um a referral practice. They the two referral vets there um support me a lot. Um so they are like my bosses as it were and then I'm in charge of the first opinion but it's um it's working really well because um as a clinic director in a corporate practice I had a, an operations manager and you, you had various levels above you but this um this job is it's a lot better because the my boss is you know next door <laughs> in the yes. next door practice and they're very approachable and you know they make they make my life easier i know if i have a problem or if i have a worry or if i'm finding something difficult i can speak to them and they'll help me um, and they're very experienced so it makes it makes a real That's big difference better to have someone somewhere in the internet or on the phone on somewhere a hundred miles away it's probably better the way you you had it in that case right yeah definitely and i think that was one of the things was the day-to-day -day support because um no two days are the same i'm sure you find this too that every day has a different problem so having somebody that is so close and so approachable all the time is i think it's you know it's really important it makes a really big difference to me whereas yeah as clinic director you do have people to ask but it wasn't quite the same somehow it's not the same of course do you keep animals right yeah yeah i've got pets yeah <laughs> yes do you want to, to, to tell which pets you have or, yeah or of course <laughs> um so i have jeffrey who's a, a shelter shetland sheep dog um oh. i have doxy the cat and i have frank the tortoise <laughs> okay okay so you've got like a family of pets as well yeah Fantastic. Got a pets. <laughs> uh, one thing just one more thing about you know your vet life um if you if you wouldn't have decided to to be a vet 
what would you have been or would you do something different if you one day decided not to be a vet what would you do yeah i think that's interesting because I, i think i'm i'm just about to i am kind of already doing it and um i think i spent a lot of time really focused on on my career and you know that I, i'm a vet this is who i am and this is you know everything i do um and it's only been the past few years since i met my husband that um, my hobbies have started to take more of a, a priority too so um cycling has become a much bigger part of my life um over the past few years um and it's really made me think about that kind of balance between being a vet all the time and um <laughs> and you know doing other things i enjoy too so i think i'm i'm very lucky that i'm kind of now in the position where i can um i'm going to take some time off from being a vet and from my job to do the other things i enjoy too and at the moment i'm balancing the two a little bit but um yeah it's i've got a great opportunity and i think it's it's important sometimes to look beyond being a vet and, and see what else there is so what you're gonna try to do is to break a world record isn't it so we are hoping to cycle around the world on a tandem bicycle so me and my husband my husband is stevie um and yeah so we're planning to break the world record for cycling around the world on a tandem oh, well, that's fantastic and <laughs> how long is gonna take you to do this i mean from start to finish do you have a plan already or yeah sure um so we hope to do it in 180 days that's that's our target um okay. we could still get the record a little bit longer but we we think we think we can do this and it's quite a nice round number who has the actual record is there, is there a record set for this yes so it's interesting the there was a record set um last year by a couple uh-huh. of ladies who um they came in in 263 days and they came in just on the like second to last ferry before lockdown they they oh, did wow. an amazing job and they just got in they just got this record um and that was that was our inspiration because they you know that they did had an amazing time and um you know hearing about their story was was really fascinating so that's kind of what what gave us the idea but they hold that record but interestingly they will still keep their record because they are two ladies so they'll have the female record and then uh-huh. we would get the mixed record <laughs> okay okay well fa- fa- fantastic i don't even know how tandem bikes uh, work i don't know what's different from regular bikes and i, and I wonder do you have to train differently do, how do you brake uh, how do you change gears uh, both people that person at the front and the person at the back does the same thing how does it work <laughs> yeah kind of the same structure as as a normal bike and then yes there are different setups you can have so usually at the front it's um quite a normal setup that's where the gears and the brakes and things like that are um you can for example have an extra brake on the the back of the bike so the stoker can have a, a brake on their handlebars as well um but the 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 handlebars at the back are fixed so you can't do any steering from the back for example so the captain at the front is usually in charge of steering the bike making the gear changes and things like that but um if you're sat on the back you have to know what's going on and sometimes yeah. you can't see well you can't see in front of you so you have to have a lot of communication between the two of you so you know what's happening next and um for example um 
I'm I'm the stoker on our bike, so I sit on the back. So I do things like I um, signal when we're going to turn. So if I can see or if um, my husband Stevie tells me we're going to turn, um, I put the signal on um, and then I do lots of other things like I'll do um, the routes, for example. So I'll have a GPS device in front of me. I see. But but in that case, when it can catch you a little bit, no? if it breaks and you're not expecting it or, or something like that, can it be... Could you like um, fall over because something went the wrong way, or? Yeah, it's it's possible. It's not happened to me yet, um, <laughs> but yeah, you have to you have to almost be a bit ready for everything. Um, so bumps can be really bad. So if you hit a hole in the road, um, it, yeah, if you're not ready for it, you can get a, yes. and, a, a rather and communication sore. could be. I'm guessing communication could be quite difficult because if you have the traffic, you're hitting the traffic as well. How do you communicate? Do you have like touching each other or something or? No, we, we're quite close actually. So um, the the length of the bike, it's best to you know to keep it quite short. So because it's already it's a it's a very long bike and that can impact on the steering and you know where you can take it and things like that. So um, actually, um, our heads are close enough together that most of the time we can hear us, and it's it's probably easier for us to talk on the tandem than it is on solo bikes. Um, when we're riding together so normally it's quite easy to hear but for example Stevie has to remember to communicate to me that there's a bump in the road or we're going to be braking or we're not, you know we're going to even things like we need we're going to stop pedaling now um, <laughs> oh, so I don't try to it. pedal and he's, he's stopped so yeah it's, okay. it is tricky um, and it's interesting because I think anybody can ride a tandem um, I almost think it's a bit trickier if you're used to riding your own bike. I think it's really good for people getting used to cycling. But I think to ride it for a long time and to kind of get the, the skill of it and to look after the bike, I think that takes a bit more more learning. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure it does. Um, so how are you training for this? Because uh, you sent me an email and said that you were also uh, planning to to, to run is that right to run coast to coast is that something you plan to do as well <laughs> yeah so um yeah this might be a breaking news because I've, I've not kind of formally announced it yet but yeah um should they stop now? <laughs> no no it's fine <laughs> um okay so yeah um the, the running has is kind of built up um over time and it's something that i'm quite conscious running it's quite easy to injure yourself and and have problems so i kind of know that because we have such a big plan to go around the world um that i um i need to be really careful in the run up to that that i'm doing everything yes. i can to keep as fit as possible so i know that yeah from kind of may i'm probably going to not be doing so much running it'll be all about the cycling from then so i think that's part of the reason why that i've got a, a big adventure planned at the <laughs> beginning of may to to okay. um do the running as well so you're trying to do the running when this this may come in Is yeah right? yeah so yeah it's literally the first week this may um okay. and then it gives me over a year before um we go away on the tandem i see so, so you are already you're already running quite a lot then yeah yeah i've been building it up um i was running last year but i think since january really i've started to take it more and more seriously i see i see how how long will it take to do, to do the running the cost to cost thing how many miles is it um so it's it's 180 something miles it depends exactly <laughs> the route you go um so i'm hoping to do it in six days so it's quite fast 
Okay, fantastic. Okay, well, uh, that, that's, it's very impressive everything that you got planned. Uh, when when you said about um, about uh, training as well, mm. uh, and you telling me about solo bikes as well, do you train always with your husband, or do you actually train as a solo bike as well, just to gain endurance and? Yeah, definitely, and and just because. Um... It's it's quite different riding on a tandem bike to a solo bike. It's different experiences. So when I'm on the tandem, as I say, my view is not very good. I, I mostly stare at Steve's back. <laughs> so I just get the view from the sides. Um, and because I've always ridden my own bike, you know, I'm quite happy having my own control and it's it's a different experience. But one thing the tandem does do is Stee is a very experienced rider. He's He's much faster than me. So it means that we, if we're on the tandem, we can both put in the same effort, but it matches our speed. Whereas if we put both put in the same effort on solo bikes, Steve goes much faster. So I, I see. He's very good and he rides with me, but yeah. <laughs> yes. When you got in a tandem, can you, can you um, have a break where you're not actually pulling your weight, which you just allowing the other person to pull? Yeah, so theoretically, I could just let my legs move with the pedals, but it's it's actually really hard to do. Um, you you have to put, you know, if your legs are turning, it's actually, you know, it's easy to keep the force going through. And the tandem itself is a very heavy bike, so if I don't put the effort in, we're not going anywhere very fast. So yeah, you you have to, yeah, you you have to put the effort in. Yeah, you have to as well. And people often say, "Oh, you've got your feet up on the back," but it's not. Quite That's like not that. true. <laughs> no. no, absolutely not. Um, do you have uh, the route plan already? Where are you going? Do you do you know already, or is that still something to decide? Um, so we're still finalising, you know, exactly, yeah, where we'll go. Um, but we think we we've kind of getting a good idea now. So we're going to start in Berlin um in in mainland europe um partly because we we don't want to have to add an extra crossing of the channel for example it would be something else where we have to move the tandem and yeah so we're going to start in mainland europe um and then we think and this is this is the one bit that we're still working we think we'll probably go down through europe um and then through turkey um and maybe to georgia um, we then have kind of a tricky bit in the middle because um, Iran, Pakistan won't be possible. Um, so we think we'll probably fly then to India and then go through India and the middle um, middle of Asia um, right through. And yeah, quite our end point there is, is yet to be decided. It might be Singapore. And then we go down to Australia, cycle the you're not going to Australia as well, okay? You, yeah, don't, yeah. you don't really need to go to Australia. You can actually fly to America all the way if you like. Uh, but we must do so many miles. So I see. Yeah, yeah. So yes. um, because it's a Guinness World Record, we have um, a set amount of miles we have to cover. So, yeah, and you have to do that going the same direction. So you can't cross back the way you came. You have to, so we'll be traveling east. So we have to keep going east. Um uh-huh. And yeah, you, you must kind of cover the distance, as it were. Otherwise, you could just like cycle around the the North Pole in a circle and go, "Hey, I done it." <laughs> I didn't think that, but yeah, you, you're right. You could just go th- through the rumble and you're gone. Yeah, you're gone yeah, around yeah. the world, haven't you? Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> yes, I, it would it would make sense. I understand. <laughs> so uh, you you have started to um, talk to people, uh, people who um, have done magnificent uh, things. And, and then I found about you by listening to your podcast, 
because you are uh, recording and um, broadcasting a podcast. Is it every week? Um, no, it's been a little bit longer than that. And I think the last time has had a bit of a, a longer gap. Um, I've not kind of had a set schedule because I'm fitting it around my job and my training and everything so um and it depends on my guests are available a bit as well but yeah it's every I'd say one and a half to two weeks I've, I've had a new guest on so I just did one this evening actually so it's a new one you have fan- yeah you have fantastic guests uh, <laughs> I listened to some of them uh, your, your first one um I think it was like the introduction was um uh, Richard who um managed to go from is it from Lansen to Johnson Grout in a in a penny farthing. Yeah, he he was amazing. Yeah, um, and I was lucky because I I knew him. I'd met him before, and he's quite local to me, so he was really happy to help. But his story is is really quite exceptional. Yes, I I have to admit I have to Google penny farthing because I didn't know what that was, <laughs> um, and and I know I understand it's those bicycles. We were like the first ones that they were built, I, I believe, with um, uh, pedals in the front. A very long wheel, the, this big wheel, right at the front, uh, and uh, they, they must be quite um, difficult to um, uh, to ride. Um, uh, something that I I heard in your podcast and some of your guests have um, had had explained is about when you're feeling low, you know, when you're feeling like very tired, getting a bit angry, and and all that. And he was saying in your in your episode about I had this plan from before because I knew it would happen. Have you done that? Have you have you planned about getting in a in a bit of a row? You know, have you have you done that? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 easy to happen. Yeah, when you're tired, and and even not if um if on the tandem there's there's a benefit because if one person is feeling low, often the other person can bring them up. But when you're both feeling low, <laughs> that yes. can be a real big problem because you just bring each other down. So it's um yeah, it's it, it can be difficult and. I think because we, we we've done this before, and you know we've we've had some very tough rides and had some very tricky situations that you, you kind of learn techniques. And um, yeah, one thing that Stevie always says is it's it's always temporary. So even if you know you're feeling awful, you feel like your legs won't turn another time, or you're wet, you're cold, you're hungry. I think the important thing to bear in mind is it's it's going to stop at some point. It's not always going to be like this. So. It's just a case of of keeping the pedals turning and breaking things down to one day at a time. So, or you know, even sometimes one hour at a time. <laughs> um, yes, well, it's a, you had experience in that case of uh, of going through a bit of a rough time when you've been riding, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, and we've had big rides where, yeah, it has been it has been really really tough. Do you, Do you know more or less the average of how? How many miles or kilometers do you have to do every day to do your to to reach your goal? So if we if we well the um, the Guinness World Record say you must cover eighteen thousand miles um, for uh-huh. it to count to go around the world. So if we do it in one hundred eighty days, that will be one hundred miles a day, which is part of the reason why we chose that because it's kind of like it adds something to the challenge. I think one hundred miles a day yes. sounds. Yeah, pretty impressive. It's, okay, yeah, it's, <laughs> and maybe it's, scary. Quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I, I mean, I um, I did uh, an organized ride from London to Paris some years ago, and mm. uh, it's about three hundred miles in four days, and I was exhausted at the end. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how you're gonna do that in one hundred and eighty <laughs> days. 
Yeah, and we must as well, we must take time out of that for, um, so we must get some flights and hopefully we won't get sick, but maybe, you know, it's it's quite possible that we might have some problems um, with the house along the way. So all these things have to be factored in as well. Yeah, that's that's important. Um, like I said, I was impressed by your podcast material as well. Uh, and the, the, the two other ones I listened to was um, um, Marcia Roberts, who called herself um, a middle-aged woman on a bike, right? Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> and I, I was very impressed by her and um, something that she said. And again, it, it comes with the endurance part of it. Uh, is uh, If someone tells you, oh, there is a train that you can catch and then you don't have to ride. <laughs> and then eventually she she decided to, to do that and later regretted it, right? Mm. Um, so so I think it's, it's important and I think I don't know if we being vets, we understand this pressure of, you know, having to keep going sometimes. And, and I think that's that's quite important. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. And it's one of the things I'm, I'm actually I'm quite interested in. I think there's quite a lot of parallels between um, endurance and endurance sport and being a vet. Um, I think being a vet is sometimes an endurance sport in itself. And interestingly, there's some um, there's some other vets who are very high up in their kind of profession in endurance. So there's um, there's runners like Sabrina Virgie, um, Jasmine Paris that are, are top level you know very high-end endurance runners and I do wonder if their um, skill comes you know comes into play with their job too because if you have a tough day and you have you know consults that are just back to back and double booked and then you must operate and if you've not eaten you've not drunk you're tired um, and I think there's a skill to just going right I'm just gonna you know keep focused plan the next step plan the next stage and kind of get through everything so yeah i think there there's definite definite parallels there between um kind of yeah the, the job we do yeah the, the, the last the last one i i, I listened to was uh tim milligan right yeah uh, which he, he also wrote a book about what, what he did he did going through the world but in a solo bike is that right yeah yeah so yeah he had a, a, a yeah just a solo bike to himself but yeah he's still a, a really fascinating chap i've almost finished his book um, hopefully tonight. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, okay, brilliant. I have talked to you about your podcast, but I haven't announced or said how you how do you get in your podcast? Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, and I'm I'm really glad you've enjoyed it because it is something that um I've similar to you. I've just decided to do and I've taught myself. So, but it's been really enjoyable, and you know I've really enjoyed speaking to people as well. So it's it's called Stoked to be here um, because I'm the stoker on the bike. So it's like a, a play on that. Um, so yeah, the podcast is called Stoked to Be Here and my kind of, um, or our, um, kind of, uh, social media tag is, um, Stella Tandem, which is spelled S-T-E as in Steve for Stevie, my husband, L-A for Laura. So yeah, you can find it through, through that. And it, I think I've now managed to get it on most of the main podcast sites as well. That's fantastic. Are you planning to continue doing it like every couple of weeks if you can? Or yeah, hopefully. So yeah, as I say, I've literally um, just recorded one this this evening before I spoke to you. So it's a double podcast night. Um, fantastic. <laughs> and then yeah, I've got some more guests um, lined up here for the next few weeks. So that's really exciting. And it's um, the more I think about it, the more people I think, oh, I could speak to them. And yeah, it's. Um, I think hopefully I'll keep it going um, until quite close to when we go. 
Um, and then as well, I think it'd be really interesting if I could manage to do some podcasts on the road. I don't quite know how I'll, I'll edit them and things like that wow, yet, th- but yeah. I think that would be really, really cool. <laughs> I, I, would, I would absolutely love to listen while you are actually doing it, I mean, <laughs> while you're actually doing the, the, um, the challenge. Um, do you, do, do you, how do you get into podcasting? So I think it's just because I've, I've started listening to a lot of podcasts myself. Um, and um, I think it kind of grew slowly. So my job before this, I was working night shifts and I used to commute on my bicycle to and from the night shifts. But I was, um, a lot of the time I wasn't on the roads. So, um, there was a very good, there's a very good cycle track. Um, and because it was quite a long ride and I didn't want to get too sleepy, I started to listen to things. So I started to listen to lots of the endurance type ones as well. Um, and yeah, there's um, lots of fantastic kind of um, podcasts out there about kind of cycling endurance and and um, that kind of aspect of the sport. So I think that's what gave me the idea earlier. And I just kind of thought, oh, wouldn't it be amazing if, you know, I tried one myself and I got to speak to some fantastic people. And, and then I thought, well, actually it'd be a really good way to... Um, kind of raise some publicity for for our trip too and kind of raise the profile um and then I thought I might just try it I might just give it a go and yeah I've been really really pleased with with how it's gone and yeah it's it's been kind of a a bit more extra work but it's it's something I really enjoy doing so yeah it's a hobby isn't it it's um, taking your your mind off having to think about um pets and accounts and stuff (laughs) levels and uh, how many people are coming through the door and how many pets are you curing every day, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's just it's just, just a way to switch my brain to something completely different as well. And to sit and hear people tell these stories is, yeah, you know, it's a really good way to kind of unwind and switch off. Yeah, and do you, you, you do it really well. I, I really enjoy it, honestly. <laughs> That's great to hear. Thank you so much. When do you do them the the website and all the things? You got someone that does it for you? Or? Um, no, not yet. So, well, I've I've just um, I've got a friend that's actually going to help me revamp the website a bit. But so far, it's it's just on WordPress. So, um, we've just yeah, I've just been doing everything myself. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that's been a learning experience too and I think it's, it's interesting because it's so different from like being a vet and you know the stuff I do day to day so I, I actually feel like I'm learning like loads of new skills um kind of getting everything set up for this and you know from the podcasting to the website to even things like I didn't have a Twitter account until I I started um doing all, all the yes. around the world stuff so I'm now like oh how does Twitter work and trying to trying to learn all these bits and bobs too so um, I think it's a lot of transferable skills, but I'm learning a lot of new ones as well. Yes, we're still doing a lot of things in computers, I think. Yeah, <laughs> at work yeah. And, uh, In podcasting as well. When you're thinking, well, do we need to know about computers? <laughs> Probably, yes, we do. Are you doing this for for any sort of uh, charity, uh, your challenge to, to go around the world? Yeah, definitely. Um, so um, we're still looking for sponsorship and support in the run up to it. But once we, we start cycling, we are going to be raising money for charities on our way around the world. Um, so that's why it's been so important to get as many people behind us as we can. So, yeah, when people are following us, hopefully they'll find it interesting enough to to give some support to the charities. Um, so one of them is is Sustrans, which supports kind of um, sustainable travel in the UK and cycling and all the wonderful routes. 
um and then the other two are kind of mental health charities which of course in our profession is is a really big deal so um we are supporting mind as a general charity that helps everybody in the uk but um specifically for the veterinary profession we will be supporting vet life as well um so i'm i'm really pleased and really proud that hopefully we can raise awareness as well of, of the problems the veterinary profession can can face but also hopefully get some really well needed funds for them too that's fantastic a lot of people don't probably don't don't know uh, the veterinary profession uh, there is there are some some problems with mental health like in many others but we are especially touched by them don't we yeah definitely and i I think maybe if um more of the general public realize this maybe they'd be a little bit kinder um so maybe it could help a bit too but yeah it would be yeah great to um raise awareness fantastic thank you laura thank you for taking part in my show <laughs> it's okay and that's all for today i hope you enjoyed the show and i hope it gave you a little bit more understanding of who veterinary professionals are behind the scenes also if you are involved in the veterinary profession and want to be interviewed in the show Visit the podcast website morethanjustabet.net and fill the form in the contact section. Tell me a little bit about you in the message, including your hobbies and why do you want to take part. Hasta la próxima!